Be confident in that. Amen? Amen. So praise God. God is good all the time. So we're in the book of Zechariah this week. That's a good thing. I love Zechariah. I don't know how to spell it most of the time. I spelt it with an A last time, Zechariah. Now we're in Zechariah. So uh, we're going to be talking about the enabling grace of God today. And uh, it's exciting to me to be able to be in a room full of people who are fired up for Jesus and love him and are called according to his purposes. Amen? Amen. So the, the name Zechariah, his name actually means the Lord has remembered. That's a good thing. The Lord has remembered. I think we have that up there, don't we? Yeah, there he is, Zechariah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't forget? There are some things he forgets, you know. Yeah, I like that too. He, he remembers your sins no more when they're covered under the blood of Jesus. That's, that's one of the great things that he forgets, and I love that about it. You know, there's, there's nearly 30 names uh, in the Bible. The name of Zechariah is in the Bible nearly 30 times. Uh, so it's a very popular name, and, and, and most scholars believe it's because uh, a lot of parents named their child after a promise of God that the Lord remembered. And so we're not sure, but there's a lot of Zechariahs running around the Bible. But many Bible students think that Zechariah was a young man when he wrote chapters uh, or, or that depict chapters 1 through 8, and that he was much older in chapters 9 through 14. And if you read that, you might have picked up on a little bit of that. But somewhere between 520 B.C. and 470 B.C. is when the book was written, probably maybe all of that time. We're not sure. But here are some things that some scholars have said about the book of Zechariah. Some have said, Zechariah is the longest and most obscure of all the 12 minor prophets. How many of you read the book this week? A little bit out there, huh? Another scholar said, it is the most difficult of any of the Old Testament books to interpret. Another one said, Zechariah predicted more about the Messiah than any other prophet except Isaiah. And as you read through that, you probably picked up on much of that. One other scholar, he said, no other prophet of the entire Old Testament is more concerned with the Messianic hope or gives more specific predictions about the coming Messiah. So that's a, a basic outline of what the scholars think that Zechariah was talking about, and I happen to agree with them. And there's no way this morning for me to cover the entire book in 30 minutes. It is ain't going to happen. We could pick a chapter a week and go 14 weeks in this, kind of like we did Nehemiah, if we really wanted to break it apart. But as I began to read and I began to pray and, and seek God about what he wanted to say, and I was working on some things over here, and God just kept bringing me back to, you guys remember that sermon, Grace, Grace, if you've been here for a couple of years, God just kept bringing me back to some of the content in that, in that, in that message that God put in my heart, and, and I just couldn't get away from it. Now, I am not the kind of pastor, and if you've been here, you know, today is our two-year anniversary, with Pastor Kerry and I, and if, if you've been around with us, you know I don't preach the same thing twice, I, I preached Three different, well, if you count Sunday morning, I preach more than that, but, but I prepare three different sermons a week, and very rarely does God stir me so much that I have to keep going back to a sermon that was already laid out. And I'll tell you, even when he does that, he kind of changes a little bit of what's going on in the story, amen? And so I'm going to tell you, some of this familiar, uh, content is going to sound a little familiar to some of you, uh, but there is a lot more that God is bringing home to kind of to bring it in to where we are as a congregation today, amen? So if you're ready, say yes. yes. I believe the timing for what I want to share today could not have been orchestrated by me. I'm just not that smart. <laughs> I, I am a forward thinker, but 
but I can't put all the buckets, all the pages together, all the buckets in a row. And what God is sharing through these minor prophets, if you've noticed the last few weeks, has been right, tracking right with where this congregation is today. Zechariah's word came to the remnant who had returned to Jerusalem after 50 years of Babylonian captivity. Kind of ties into last week in Haggai when the people when he challenged the people to rebuild the temple of God and restore the worship of God. So now God is encouraging his people through Zechariah to continue the work that was not quite finished. Anybody feel like there's still some things incomplete in their life? Praise God. Good to see you, Andy. Hallelujah. God gave Zechariah eight messages through eight visions in one night. Man, I don't think that guy got any sleep that night. The passage I want to read to you is the fifth message that he received. So kind of continuing on what we talked about last week and building on it this week, I want to read to you out of Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. So he answered and said to me, The word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. Some translations say a smooth or level plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, for who has despised the day of small beginnings? Let me pray. Lord, bless my words this morning and, and anoint me to, to share what's stirring in my heart. Holy Spirit, we give you complete control of this room. Open our ears that we would hear truth today, that we would be set free, that we would be released of any bondages or shackles, that we would recognize the mountains in our life, speak to those things and work through those things in our life, get to the other side where your presence is so sweet and where there's fullness of joy. And I just feel even right now as I'm praying, there's some in this room right now that just need something from you this morning. They just need to be encouraged. There are some that are, that are on the fence this morning and they've been contemplating walking away from you walking away from the house of God, walking away from the things of God because it's been difficult. And I feel the Holy Spirit right now, church, just tugging on my heart, wanting to remind you that he is in control. He's, he loves you. He is the author and finisher of your faith, and he will do great things in your life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Let me just say this right out the gate this morning. The will of God will not lead you where the grace of God cannot sustain you. See, the will of God, listen, the will of God is not going to take us to an opportunity on Brew Street if it's, if it's not God's plan for our life. And, and, and it's his grace. Many are afraid of, of the neighborhood. Have you looked at this neighborhood lately? I'm sorry. I am sorry. I've been down there a dozen times. I haven't seen anything crazier than what I see out here every day I show up to work. But even if that is the case, who is my protector? Amen. 
And if God is sending me to an area that may be a little volatile, praise God for it. Amen? Because I'm encouraged that He's going to allow this church to change a culture and a community. Amen? There are 11,000 people in the 89101 zip code, and I'm claiming every one of them for Jesus Christ. Will they all come? No. But I'm claiming them anyways. Amen? I'm believing God for big things. I'm not going to let anything shut out God's plan and purpose for our life. Amen? When God calls, He qualifies. If He says move, He will make a way, right? If He says do it, He'll give you the strength to get it done. I'm thinking about preaching this morning. I haven't decided yet. The Bible has a lot to say about grace, and we talked about this a couple of years ago. Grace is in the Bible 125 different times at least. 16 of the 21 New Testament epistles, yes, so there's 20, 27 books in the New Testament, but the epistles, the letters, 16 of those 21 start with grace to you or my grace and peace to you. God has a lot to say about grace. If you want to talk about grace, if you want to do a deep study in grace, I'll tell you, study the book of Romans. Greatest book ever written about grace. I don't care what bookstore you go to on the shelf. You better grab the Bible and get the book of Romans. Amen? Amen. If you want to study about grace. An acronym, which we all know, but I threw it in your bulletin because I needed some blank space to fill up. God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen? Or, you know what? I want to change this because we've been saying that so long. I want to say God's righteousness at Christ's expense, because that's really what we're talking about. The righteousness of God comes on people because of his grace, amen? We talk about riches, and everybody thinks on my wall it's going to be fat. Now, that's not exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the righteousness, the goodness, the things of God that are powerful, that change lives, that, that move mountains, amen? That's what I want to talk to you today about, is this subject of grace. And there's at least, at least four different kinds of grace the first grace that many of us have experienced in this room is God's saving grace. Yes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. You get faith. Faith saves you through God's grace. Amen? Amen. It's the grace of God. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Amen. People are all, I'll go to the house of God when i got everything together. Good luck with that. Because I've been in the house of God for a long time, and I still ain't got everything together. Amen? If I was waiting, I'd still be waiting. <laughs> I don't even know where I'd be. I can speculate. I'd, I'd, do, I'd do pretty sure I'd either be locked up forever or dead. <laughs> You're laughing. Listen, it's God's grace that saves you. Not your works. Let's boast. It's God's grace. If any of you have been, how many of you have been saved by God's amazing grace? Man, give him a shout for his amazing saving grace. The saving grace of God. Man, without it, we would all be lost. Sometimes I still feel lost on this planet. Sometimes I still don't know what's going to happen on this planet. But I know what's going to happen in eternal life. Amen? He did. Read the end of the book. It's a scary place, but read it anyway. Maybe it'll scare you straight. Second kind of grace is a justifying grace. Romans chapter 3 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word justification, you've heard this, it means just as if I never sinned. When you're justified by God's grace, God looks at you as if you had never sinned. He forgives you. He remembers them no more. He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. It's the grace of God that does that. There's nothing else that can do that. It's that, it's that blood that we just celebrated through communion. One drop of the blood of Jesus. One drop. Covers a multitude of sins. Love covers sins. But the blood of Jesus forgives sins. There's a big difference there. There's a grace that comes over you when you repent of your sins and you turn from your old ways, from your wicked ways, from your sinful ways. And God completely covers you and he justifies you just as if you had never sinned. Third grace is there's a teaching grace. And we don't talk about this much today because this is the message of holiness. Church doesn't like to talk about holiness because now I have accountability and responsibility. Titus chapter 2 says, verse 11 and 12, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. See, there's a grace of God that help, it helps us to become holy. Listen, you can't, Become holy on your own. You need God's grace. How's that working for you, Einstein? Tried that on your own, haven't you? (laughs) Yeah. God's grace will give you the power to walk away from who you used to be. Man, you can't do it in your own willpower. How many of you tried it? Yeah. And the rest of you are lying. Y'all tried it. It didn't work. (laughs) The Bible says in, in second, or where is it? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is born again, he is a new creation. If any man is born again, that's the grace of God. It teaches us to turn away from ungodliness and to honor God with our lives. That's holiness. I'm not going to do the things that I want to do. My flesh says do it, but God's word says don't, and so I'm not going to do it because I want to honor God with my life. You're shouting me down now, but how is it going to be tomorrow morning on the holiday Where are you going to be? Praise God. I like to hear that. Woo! That makes me happy. That makes me happy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he said, Be holy, for I am holy. Taking God's words out of Leviticus, God said it himself. Be holy, because I'm holy. Ouch! Holy means to be set apart. Be different. Don't be like everybody else. As we've been preaching, be the change. We keep praying for change. God says, just be the change. Represent the change. Be who I've called you to be. Be the free individual that I've set you free from from, with the blood of my son, Jesus. The last grace, and this is where I want to land for a few minutes this morning. It's the enabling grace of God. It's the grace that Zechariah was talking about when he said, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. See, I can't do it in myself. I don't have enough power, but the spirit of God enables me to do it. 
enables me to do things that I've never been able to do. It enables me, it's the kind of grace that, that, that we talk about in Luke 18, 27, where it says, with men, things seem impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? That's the kind of grace we're talking about today. With God, nothing is impossible. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's the kind of grace that empowers ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's what we want to do. I I want to be extraordinary. I I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be different. I want to lead a church that's different. I want to lead a church that's so passionately in love with Jesus that nothing else matters. I want to I fellowship with family. I told somebody yesterday, I said, there's not too many churches where the senior pastor's wife, who is also the senior pastor, toilet papers a house. And the senior pastor himself goes out and shoots guns with the guys. I mean, I love that. I am not giving you permission for people to toilet paper houses. On my defense, I knew nothing about it before it happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, my mom came home from vacation yesterday to a toilet papered home inside. I'm not telling, I'm not telling anybody who did it, Teresa, Lisa, Ashlyn, and Cass, Pastor Carrie. We, we can't do anything without God's enabling grace. Paul said that he prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed. And, and God said all three times, my grace is sufficient for you. We can read it here, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. Consider, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, Paul took his thorn in the flesh to the throne of grace. God gave him the power to, we don't know, doesn't talk about his thorn too much after that. He, he either persevered through it or he overcame it, but it doesn't really matter. God gave him the grace to do whatever with that thorn that needed to be done, amen, to continue in his life. If you read the epistles, if you know about the apostle Paul, he did well, amen, he finished well. How many of you have a thorn? God still wants you to finish well, amen. Whatever that thing is that's driving you, that, that, that's, that's burdening you, God wants to help you to overcome it, persevere through it, or in spite of it. Sometimes God does miracles right now, and that's the way we like. I like instant oatmeal, I like instant coffee, I like instant messaging, and I like instant miracles. Amen? I serve a, we're a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. Always done on time, though, and it tastes yummy. But sometimes the grace of God will come over you, and it will empower you to, to, to overcome the obstacles in your life. Without God's grace, there are so many obstacles in my life that I would still be battling today. And, and I see in the church today there's, there's so many people headbutting the same obstacle week after week, day after day, and it's because you haven't called out on the grace of God to give you the power to go through that thing or to go around it or to shout it down. Amen? I'm starting to march. That means I'm preaching. You're welcome. 
I love this church. You guys pull out the weird stuff in me, you know. Look at, look at Hebrews. <laughs> peculiar, yeah. I've often said when you look up that word peculiar, in the original Greek, no, my face is there. <laughs> Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in what? In the time of need. See, that's the enabling grace. It's the grace that's there when you need it the most. It's God's grace that's sufficient for you. It's made perfect and strong in your weakness. It's it's God's grace. It's, It's the grace that helps you overcome those things that you know in your own flesh you can't do it. That's what we're talking about today. That's the enabling. I'm not trying to preach some kind of pie in the high message. There is a grace of God that helps you. And so many people are stuck on this side of it. God says, no, I've given you enough grace to get you through the other side. I'm not going to leave you where you are. I love you too much. You're now my child. There's a place when God's grace comes upon you. And then even though you have real problems and you have real challenges and you have real obstacles, it's that enabling grace that it empowers you to, to persevere through it, to run through it, to, to, to in spite of it, amen, to keep trudging along. That's the kind of grace that got a hold of Zerubbabel. That's the kind of grace that, that he had in his life. That he said, you know, he went back to the city. And the Bible says the place was still in ruins. It was ransacked, and and there was nothing going on. And he said to himself, I'm going to build the temple. I'm going to rebuild the temple. I'm going to build the walls, and I'm going to rebuild the lives of the people. The Bible tells us that he started working on the foundation first. Remember, we talked about this last night. I I love the fact that he didn't start putting paneling in his own house first. Amen? I'm so glad about that. I'm glad that he had a heart for the house of God. He said, no, I don't worry about my paneled house. I want to I work on the things of God. He was more concerned about the temple of God than he was his own needs. Hallelujah. You know, that's what Pastor Kerry and I and the leadership team have been doing for two years. We've been working on the foundation. We're building a foundation that will stand. We're... we're, 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 we're changing a culture. We're establishing a culture of worship. We're establishing a culture of people who are filled with faith and, and love and know the mercy and grace and peace of Oh, it's on this slide now. Peace of God. They tried to trick me. Amen. Man. And when he laid the foundation, the Bible says that, that all of a sudden he started recognizing the mountains in his life. And, you know, when you start really living for God, when you start really giving your life over to Him, when you, when you finally die to self and say yes to God, you start recognizing mountains in your life. You start recognizing troubles in your life. And many of you here today, God started doing a work in your life. And when the mountains came and, and, and when the struggles came and those things seemed to be unbearable, many people allowed that to stop their progress in the Lord. I told somebody yesterday, there's, there's some friends of ours in the church that we got saved in 
20 years ago. They're exactly how they were 20 years ago. Nothing has changed in their life. Nothing. I'm not trying to judge. I'm, I'm looking for fruit. I'm, 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 I'm reading their posts, and, and they're friends of ours, and we love them, but nothing's changed. It's because they've, they've allowed the mountains to just keep them right where they were. And then God does not want that for you. God does not want the obstacles in your life to keep you where you are. He's given you grace to get around those things or to, or to plow right through them or to go over the top of them. Amen? We need some mountain climbers in the church. And that's what got a hold of Zerubbabel. I love this. He, he, said, he said this, who is this mountain? You remember? He started talking to the mountain. Who are you, mountain? What is your name? Why are you standing before me trying to trouble me in the work of the Lord? I love that he started talking to his mountain. I love that. I love that he identified it. I love that, I love that we're supposed to talk to mountains. We're supposed to recognize them. Mountains represent troubles and problems in our lives. They represent things that, that have prohibited us from getting in the place where God wants us. Jesus told us to do the same thing in Mark chapter 11. He said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those, that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Zerubbabel said, Who are you, mountain? Identify yourself to me. Tell me who you are. Because by the time God gets done with you, you're going to become a smooth, level plane. You're not going to be a mountain any longer in my life. I believe that there's some people this morning that are going to get some things smoothed out in their life. I believe that there's some people today that are going to overcome some obstacles. Come on. Is that you? Let your faith be strengthened this morning. Let the grace of God overwhelm you. We saw last time that last week we kind of touched into Ezra chapter 4 and Zerubbabel was able to identify some of the challenges. Remember it says that the, the people troubled him? How am I going to talk about that? I, I will say this. There are people who will try to trouble you. But the thing that I want to be important for you to know this morning is that you need to recognize and identify those things in your life. The Bible says that people took up squatters right on the land, that they, they took possession. It's like, it's like these empty houses all over Las Vegas. People move in, and you can't even kick them out. <laughs> the enemy set up camp on his property and said, you can't have this. We're taking over, and that's what the enemy's doing in your life. He's saying, you can't have this. This is my territory. But I want to remind you, that we can't uninvite the, the devil like a gentleman. You've got to kick him out. You have the authority. You don't ask him nicely to leave. Oh, would you mind getting off my property? Would, would you mind? Excuse me. Excuse me. No, no. It's get off in Jesus' name. Lord gave me a list of mountains that he wants to destroy in your life. I really believe this. 
as I was praying, he just started giving me words, and I just started writing them down. And if you struggle with any of these, as I read these out, I want you to stand to your feet. Depression, anxiety, loneliness, family or marital issues, broken hearts, rebellion, tobacco, alcohol or drugs, been given a bad report, envy, anger, jealousy, hatred, adultery, lust, selfishness, greed, lying, laziness, pride. If any of these things identify with you, I hope you're standing. The Bible says that Zerubbabel was frustrated, that he felt hopeless. He he felt like giving up. The temple was still in ruins and nothing was happening and, and the dream that seemed to be fading away and there's so many people in the house of God whose dream is fading and God says, I want to rekindle that fire. I want to rekindle that dream in your life. And the Bible says that he laid the foundation in 525 B.C. and 18 years later, still nothing was happening. But I come to tell you today, I've come to remind you today that God never starts anything that he's not prepared to finish in your life. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that work. The question is this, can he find anyone who will hang on long enough for God to make a way where there seems to be no way? Listen, it's not about the God, it's not about the temple of God, it's about the God of the temple. See, we're building a place of worship. We're building a place where God can reside. And it's you. You're the temple. It's not the building. Whether it's on Nellis Avenue or Bruce Street or Sahara and Palm, it's about the temple that God is building within you. You are the foundation that God is building today. It's been 18 years. 18 years. Miss Susan was right. I looked it up this week. August 29th, 1998, when Grapevine's building burnt down. But God did not burn down. The same God that built that temple, that built this temple, that built every church in Las Vegas is building a temple in you. Because it's not about the brick and mortar. He's been laying a foundation here through worship, through prayer, through changing a culture. Last year, we, we went out this weekend, last year, or last weekend, last year, we went out on the dirt, and we, and we cut a, a ribbon, a yellow ribbon at the capstone. And if you haven't been here long enough, ask me about the capstone. I'll tell you about it. It has everything to do with the message that I'm preaching today. And we stood out there, and we, we shouted grace, grace, and faith, believing that, that God was going to build a temple. Amen? And many of you, many of you were thinking, oh, the grapevine building. Yeah, well, that'll happen one day. But I'm talking about the temple. The temple of God. Listen, family, if we don't get past the mountains in our life, God will never build a temple. There won't be a need for a building. The truth for us today is God is going to give us the enabling grace to finish the dream that he started in our life. can't let the mountains of your life talk you out of the miracles that God has for you. 
open your mouth. Symbolically speak grace, grace. Call that mountain by its name. I just labeled it for you. See, at the, at the name of Jesus, the sound of his voice, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. We need to say, mountain, I know that I can't defeat you in my own, my own power, but it's not by my by grace, not by power, I mean, but by the Spirit of the living God. Listen, if you're ready to have mountains come down in your life and you're already standing, I just want you to move forward. Join me here in this altar right now. Make space, just just, just join me in the altar. I'm not going to run through pushing everybody down and stuff like that. I'm encouraging you to walk through, over, or around your mountain right now. That thing has no ability to stop the progress of God in your life anymore. Come on, we're family. Come on in. I know we're all a little sweaty and musky. It's all right. We're, st we're still family. Amen. Summer's almost over. Hang in there. Let me read this verse over you. And I'm going to pray for you. Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. And it shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord. That two-thirds of it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left. He says, I will bring one-third through the fire. We're talking about the remnant. I really believe standing in this altar right now is the remnant. I really believe that. He says, I'll bring one-third through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. Anybody feel refined and tested? God has been doing that. They will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Say it again. The Lord is my God. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. The Lord is my God. Jesus, right now. Let this not just be a message that stirs our flesh our spirit this morning, Lord. Give us the grace of God to help us overcome these challenges of life. We can shout at mountains all day long, but all we have to do is confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from our sins and trust you. Trust the plans that you have for our life. Lift up your hands in this place. Now just put that, that identifier, that word, that label, just put that on your mind right now. When we speak to those things, I'm going to name them one more time. Depression. Anxiety. Loneliness. Family and marital issues. Broken hearts. Rebellion, tobacco, drugs and alcohol, a bad report, envy, anger, jealousy, hatred, adultery, lust, selfishness, greed, lying, laziness, pride, in the name of Jesus. Mountain, come down right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
listen, this is not just how, it's not like instant miracle here. It's, it's God's doing something, and now you need to protect that. You need to spend time in prayer and the Word of God, fellowshipping with one another, be faithful to the house of God. Amen. Do you agree with that today? Say yes. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I love you guys.